Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I'd usually just, um, um, I would ask them if you wanted to do something with me, like playing or having a snack or something, watching a movie, that type of stuff. My brother likes playing Lego. I played Lego with him. And my sister likes to go to Starbucks, so I go to Starbucks with my mom with her. Um, share toys. I basically play with my dad. I play this game, this very old game called Rock Band, because he wants me to. I play every kind of game. Yeah, what's your favorite game? Uh, my favorite game is toys. Toys? And what kind of toys do you play with? Books. I can and be nice. Second, I can share my games and my toys. I don't lie to their brother and sister. After I'm done making the cookies, I give them to my brother and sister. The watch was my dead on the TV basketball. I have to forward super high when, when the net is up this high. I play Barbies with my sister, Sarah. At school, when we're out for recess, I when my sister comes out, I just run to her and hug her. I hug and kiss it. I'll try to help my friends if I see them, speak up for other people. To treat other people the way you want to be treated. Just because people might not be good to you, you can always be better to them. Say, it's okay. I'm sorry you fell. You did your best. Mm, be kind. Mm, respect. Mm, I, I love you. How do you show big love? <laughs> well, how do you show love that's bigger than yourself? Well, what did Jesus say? A child shall lead them, or the, one of the prophets? Our children are, wow, what amazingly diverse ways we can have a love that's bigger than ourselves. But if you listen to what's coming out about Canadians right now at this point in the pandemic... Well, here one CBC journalist reported yesterday on a study and they said Canadians, when it comes to kindness and compassion, they've been scraped away during COVID. That's the way they put it. Uh, they say that 79% of us are, are doing worse now in terms of you know kindness and compassion, uh, loving others than we were before COVID began. And of course, there, there are reasons for that when you think about it. I mean, restrictions confinements and isolation, they just make you smaller because <laughs> you're not out there doing life with others. And so uh, there are reasons why we've become uh, more shrunken 
in our hearts. Last week, Pastor Jonathan showed us that we, we can choose to be offended or not. And he showed us how to live a life where we are unoffendable. Today, I want to show you how you can live a life that's unshrinkable. <laughs> unshrinkable. You can have a love in your heart that is unshrinkable. You know, um, so many I have met over the years were doing so well in life. They had a faith in God. Uh, they loved Jesus. They were overcoming stuff from their past. They were caring for others. They were on track to being blessed of God in their future life because they were going to be such a blessing to other people. And uh, yet I've met so many of them. And it discourages me sometimes because I meet them years later, further down the road in life. And it's like they're a different person. They're more self-focused. They're, they're more cynical. It's, life is more about their own agenda, less about Jesus and others. They, they basically, they basically have, have, have shrunken. Their hearts are smaller. And then, thankfully, I've met a lot of others that went in the opposite direction. Their love has increased. They become bigger people over time as they have opened their hearts again and again to the love of Jesus. And sometimes it's been to my shame that people have surprised me because when I first met them, I just didn't know where, where, where they were going to go with their life. I remember one man came to see me while I was pastoring in Edmonton, and uh, he'd been referred to come and see me. He'd gone through a lot of problems and confusion in his life when I heard what he was reading and, and what he was basing his faith on, and, and he was living with a girl and had, had another child over here. And I mean, there's just, just so much going on, and yet I, I told him about Jesus and how we could give him him a, a whole new life if he would trust him and he would cleanse away uh, sins of the past and give him a whole new future. And, and yet when he left my office, to my shame, I didn't have a whole lot of hope that there would be a, a change in that life. But you know, fast forward many years while I'm pastoring here in Toronto, I think of this so many times when I go through Barrie on the way to our home up in the Perry Sound area. And uh, as I'm going through, I remember one, about over 10 years ago, I got a letter from that same man. And he told me that he was serving Jesus, had a wonderful family. They were following the Lord. They, were, um, they had traction in their lives. And, but he told me that he'd just been diagnosed with a tumor, only had a few more weeks or months to live. And he wanted to write me and thank me for leading him to follow Jesus in my office that day in Edmonton. And he said, Pastor Keith, I'll see you again in heaven. You know, it just, so many times we, we, we think someone's gonna be small and they become big and we see someone that's living big in love and impact in the lives of others and then they, they shrink, they become so very small. Jesus told a lot of stories like that. How small people became big and how sadly big people became small. Because really, here's what we're gonna talk about today. It's your choice how small you become or how big you become. Now, in Jesus' stories, he often refers to the end of life, that day, that day, the judgment day when every human being stands before God and gives account of their life. And, and you know, the, the sheep are separated from the goats. The wheat is separ separated from the chaff. It's all about how we end up. It's how we finish. And one of the stories about that day 
when we stand before God, he says uh, some are going to be surprised how big they've become in life because they've loved and they've become big without even knowing it. And, and he says to them, he says, come, enter the kingdom that has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. Because when I was starving, you fed me. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was sick, you cared for me. And the people are shocked <laughs> in the story Jesus tells. When did that happen? When did we see you sick or hungry or, or care for you? And Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these people, these brothers and sisters, whatever you did for the least of them, you have done it to me. When we love people because of what's in it for them, when we love people the way Jesus loves us, that, that's, that's a love that makes you a, a big person. One of our staff recently took on oversight of uh, some new areas and she was so impressed by the volunteers and uh, the, the English as a second language classes, the ESL classes, she said, our church has been offering them for, for years now. Actually, it's been decades now. And she says, and Wendy Mayhew and James Chu have been the key volunteers these days coordinating the classes. I was able to catch the tail end of their class. It was amazing to see the turnout of people from all over the world and the high engagement and community feel in the Zoom room. She said the, the model has stirred such a curiosity in knowing God that they've even discovered or even started a, a discovery group class. And several students have come to accept Jesus uh, and, and started following him. Wendy and James shared there are even more students that want to join a discovery group, but there are not enough volunteers to keep up with the numbers. You know, this, this just lets us know a few things, doesn't it? That there, there, as we begin to open up physically and we're able to be with each other, and even in Zoom uh, meetings, we have opportunities right now to volunteer and, and, and become bigger in our love. You say, well, who's Wendy and who's James? Why? Well, you and I may not know, but God knows. And they're doing something big. Here, here's something else a staff member noticed in the food bank. They said, we've got many new volunteers from our church joining the food bank team uh, with several more to come. There's lots of people there that were refugees out of Syria. And the, she says, there seems to be a revitalized excitement in serving and being more involved as a community of believers impacting the city. Now, now. None of them are named, but Jesus knows every one of those that are serving those food and feeding hungry and taking care of their needs. He knows every one of them, and, and, and they're becoming bigger people. He says, that's big to me, and you're going to become a bigger person doing stuff like that. You know, as I was thinking about wanting to become a big person, <laughs> instead of becoming smaller, I, I couldn't help but think of two presidents on the world stage right now. One invaded an independent country in an attempt to make his reputation and, and, and a former Soviet empire happen again. He wanted to make himself and that empire bigger and sacrificing thousands of precious Ukrainian citizens and thousands of precious, mainly young men, young Russian men to do it. In attempting to become big, have you noticed he has become so small 
in terms of how people view him on the world stage, whereas there's another president who's willing to risk his own life for the sake of his people and that he's leading in his country with courage and conviction and with character, sacrificing himself. And who knew who he was a couple of years ago? He's gone from smallness to the admiration of most of the entire world. Did you ever hear Jesus say, whoever wants to become big, <laughs> humble yourself. He, said, he teaches that pride will make you small. And one of the bigger or smaller stories that Jesus tells is about two houses. Let's look at it. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... There's the qualification. They're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You got to know there's going to be a contrast here, right? Here it is. But everyone who hears these words of mine, so it's the same there, as the person who built their house on the rock, but they do not put those words of Jesus into practice. What he says about accepting and loving and forgiving, they don't put them into practice. They're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Did you notice? They both had the same opportunity to say, hear the same words of Jesus. They both... The houses look the same on the outside. You walk down the street, you probably couldn't tell a whole lot of difference in what the house was built on because, because what happened, whether one became so small, he just clapped and became a, 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 a pile of rubble, whereas the other one stood strong. All The same storm had hit them both. But the difference was what they were built on. One heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice. You see, what, that's what makes for a, a strong foundation. It's like the difference between reputation and character. Reputation is who people think I am. That's the social media. You know, that's the, that's the um, Facebook or, uh, you know, the, one, one of the social media. You know, that, that, that's who people think that I am. It's what I want them to see. It's what they see. Character is not who people think I am, it's, it's who I really am. It, it's, it's, whether it's sand or rock, is the part people don't see, but it makes all the difference in terms of whether I become small or whether I stand strong and big. All the difference. So how small or big are you going to become in your life? The reality is it's your choice. Your family however dysfunctional, abusive, or however wonderful or great. People can come from both kinds of families and still, still one will turn out big and, one and the one you expect, it, it went the other way around. It doesn't matter your finances. It doesn't matter about your education. It doesn't matter about your job, your relationships. All of us can come through good or bad and we can still become Big or small, it's our choice. And so, so let's start here. You decide how small or big you want to become. Now, I know if you're with me, you, you want to become someone big, but, but watch this. You see it in Jesus' first followers. Remember he called the 12 
to follow him. He, he called them. They, they, if they came to Toronto or wherever you live, if, if Jesus and his disciples today, the 12 disciples, walked through your community, you, you just wouldn't be able, you know, they'd look a little bit different, but they, they're all Jesus' disciples. They've all heard the same life-changing teaching from Jesus. They've all witnessed the same powerful healings and miracles. Oh, they, they, they have so much potential to know Jesus and to have a big future in him, every one of them. And, and if you and I had a meeting and we, we, we had a committee meeting and we decided, all right, who of those 12 disciples is the most likely to go big, to, to really succeed. You know, Judas Iscariot, now stay with me, Judas Iscariot would have been on the short list. Yeah, he, he, was, he was the one that was entrusted with what many in that group would have considered the biggest responsibilities. He was the treasurer. You have to trust someone. They're going to be your, you know, chief finance, chief financial officer of Jesus Incorporated. Like, who would have been least likely to succeed? Well, you, you could easily make a case that it would have been Peter. I'm Peter right from the start said, I'm not going to succeed. <laughs> I'm not going to be anything big following you, Jesus. Remember he said, Jesus, you don't want me as a follower. He said, depart from me. <laughs> I am a sinful man. You don't want me as your follower. I'm just going to mess up. Do you know that Peter went on as a follower of Jesus? One day he actually rebuked Jesus, <laughs> rebuked the son of God. <laughs> and then we all know that at the, in his final year of his three-year internship, Peter was the one that not once, but three times denied even knowing Jesus. Oh, it just fails. It, it just seems that, that Judas Iscariot should have gone big and Peter should have just collapsed like that house built on the sand. And yet, if you've read the Gospels, you know that it's Judas that betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We know how it turns out for him. And we don't know why, like whether he was disillusioned because Jesus wasn't setting up his kingdom and throwing over the Roman oppressors and he was trying to just, just push Jesus' hand to make that happen. Or, or was it the money? Uh, we don't know, but whatever it was, even though he looked like the other disciples on the outside, they looked like them. There was something dark and, and, and Sandy in his heart that was actually, he was actually building his life on. A lot of people think, oh, that was the, the, the final week of Jesus' life. That's when Judas made the decision to betray Jesus. He, he suddenly just out of the blue turns against Jesus. Not so fast. John, in his gospel, writes about Judas long before he betrayed Jesus. And he says this, he says, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him said, because Jesus was receiving this from the, someone was so grateful for being helped and healed by Jesus. And they, and they gave him a perfume that was worth a year's wages. And look at, look at Judas, he doesn't see the person. All he sees are the dollar signs. Look, it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. <laughs> Not that he cared for the poor, 
John says. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. See, it didn't just happen suddenly. Someone said it this way. Deterioration is never sudden. No garden suddenly overgrows with weeds. No church suddenly splits. No building suddenly crumbles. No marriage suddenly breaks down. No nation suddenly becomes a mediocre power. No person suddenly spiritually goes backwards. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, certain things are accepted that once were rejected. Things once known to be hurtful are now secretly tolerated. At the outset, it appears harmless, perhaps even exciting, but the wedge it brings leaves a gap that grows wider as moral erosion joins hands with spiritual decay. The crevice becomes a canyon. That's what building on the sand does. It just, it just deteriorates. It just, it's like sinking sand. You know, one of the most telling verses in the Bible about Judas is when they were looking for someone to replace him for that 12th position that he had vacated with his betrayal and death. And they prayed, Oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. Look at this now. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek. We've translated it into English or whatever language that you have a Bible in. But in the Greek, that word belongs, it means it fits. It's, it's just the appropriate place. It's a place that he is chosen. He's comfortable there. It's the place where he belongs. You see, Judas tried to become so big with, whether it was greed or selfishness or wanting power, wanted Jesus to set up his kingdom. We, we don't know, but he became so big. We know that there was pride there. There was deceit. There was betrayal. And he wouldn't fit in heaven. He, he, wouldn't, he would just mess up heaven, bringing that deceit and that selfishness and that pride there. He, so he chose to belong, but not to Jesus. Jesus was all about love. Jesus wants to bring people to a place that's free from, from deceit, free from greed, free from selfishness, a place where we can love and we can trust. Jesus, Judas would not have been at home with Jesus in heaven. So Judas chose for himself and goes to a place where he belongs, where he fits. Often we see people in this life and sometimes they'll, they'll use the name of Jesus, but then I hear people, they'll say, you know, I, they just seem to be all they want is your money. Or I'm watching this podcast and they're just trying to get people angry and follow their view of what's going on with the pandemic or with life. And, and, and it's not about Jesus. It's not about love. And when I finish listening to them, I have, I have this uh, panic that I'm going to be left out and maybe I'm not doing things right. Jesus says, listen, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. Now, now, now what I want you to notice here, he says, therefore, 
Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you want to know what it's there for. In other words, something was said here that leads Jesus to say, you can build your house on a rock and it'll stand or on sand and it will collapse. You'll become small. What's, what's he said? What's just before that? He, here's, here's what he says just before that. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never, and here's the key word, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, and that's where he starts saying, therefore, you, you build your house on a rock. <laughs> put my words into practice, but you build your house on the sand like these people did. It's, it's going to collapse. They're going to become smaller. Then what about Peter? What about Peter? The first conversation he has with Jesus about spiritual things, he, he identifies, self-identifies as, as messed up, too messed up to be a follower of Jesus. He rebukes Jesus, remember? He broke his promise to Jesus when he denies him three times. Doesn't he belong with Jesus? Isn't that where he fits? I mean, he looks the same. The answer is in the part that you can't see, right? You don't look at what you can't, you look at what you can't see. You see the foundation in Peter's life. When he heard Jesus, Peter tried to practice what Jesus said. That's why he said, depart from him, a sinful man. I, I, I need, I need, to be a better person, Jesus, and, and I'm not even good enough to follow you. You are so good. And no, matter, no matter how many times Peter stumbled and fell, he always fell on Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? Didn't go away. He fell on Jesus, and he got up again to follow Jesus. And watch this. He got spiritually bigger and bigger every time he got up again to follow Jesus. The Gospels tell us that when Peter denied Jesus, the rooster crowed. Remember, as Jesus prophesied that it would? And, and it says that Peter's eyes met the eyes of Jesus. What did Peter do next? The Bible says, the gospels say he went out and he wept bitterly. Oh, he, he wept bitterly. Why? Because he loved Jesus so much. And, and he just felt like the one that I love the most, I just let down. It's because he loved Jesus so much. And that's exactly why that when Jesus rose from the dead and went back to Peter along the shore of Galilee, he says, Peter, I've got one question for you. Do you love me? Do you love me? That's, that's the foundation. Do you love me? Oh, and Peter, <laughs> Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. You see, it's exactly the same question that he has for you no matter how many times you mess up in, mess up in life. Do you love the Lord? Do, do you want to follow him because he forgives and he, he leads you? He's got the best future for you, the biggest future for you. Is it, do you love Jesus? That's the most foundational question that Jesus wants to ask us. And, and tonight I pray, today I pray, this morning, whatever time, whether you're watching on demand, whatever time you are watching, 
and listening to me, listen, I pray for you that you will decide you're not going to live small, that you're going to decide to go big by becoming the you that Jesus gave his life for you to become. All right, so we make that decision, whether we're going to be small or big in this life. And then secondly, decide who you're going to trust to get you there. What does a person have to have if we're going to trust them with the future of our life, especially if we're going to trust them with the afterlife, life after death? You, you've, you've got to, first of all, you've got, they've got to, if they're going to qualify, these are three must-haves. They've got to know how to get you there. They've got to know the way. <laughs> they've got to know the truth about that. They have to have the power to get there. Someone can know and say, oh yeah, it's over there, but there's no way, I'd have no vehicle, no way of getting you there. They have to have the power to get you there. And then they can know and have the power, but still not love you enough to do it. They have to love you enough to get you there. That narrows it down quite a bit because that rules out religion because religion uh, can says, you, you join us and if you live good enough in this life, then you'll get to God in heaven. But religion cannot help you if you're not good enough. Some of the religions say you'll just have to come back and try again, reincarnation. The best religions of the world don't have the power and they, they don't have the love. Whereas Jesus says this, he says, follow me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I can get you to the Father. As a matter of fact, you can know that if you come to me, no one gets to the Father except through me. And Jesus warns us to be extremely careful about whose words we trust, <laughs> about the future and about spirituality. Uh, Jesus warns us that in the last days, he said, many will use his name. We, we, we met some of them. We just, he just referred to those who would use his name and do sp spectacular things in his name. But they were making a name for themselves. They weren't exalting Jesus. And Jesus knows their motives. He knows their heart. He says, I never knew you. And, and they're misleading people. Well, listen to Jesus. I got two quotes from Jesus. One time he says in the Gospels, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. All right? We'll come back to that. By their fruit, the, the outcomes, what they produce in their lives, you will recognize. And then one of the final warnings that Jesus gave his first followers was that before I return, in the last days, he said, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. <laughs> you know, I, I said to Pastor Jonathan, and then when we got talking about it, he said, you know, it's been the same for me. I, I, don't, I don't know of a time in the last four and a half decades of pastoring when I've been asked more about prophecies, about politics and prophecy, and during these last two COVID years, sincere people contacting me seeking reassurance that what these other groups or these other people that were Christians are, are getting caught up in the, has nothing to do with the, taking the good news of Jesus to other people until Jesus returns. You know, some of them prophesying about the leadership in the United States and falsehood and confusion. Others were told, you know, you take the vaccine, you're taking the mark of the beast. Fear 
deception. Others told if you don't agree with them, you're one of the enemy. You're with the Antichrist. Pride, division, hatred. Others, you define freedom as doing what I want without regard of how it interferes with the lives and freedoms of other people. Anger, selfishness. Jesus said, check what comes from their lives. Check, you got to know who you're going to trust. What's this association producing in people when they're part of these groups? Anger, fear, confusion, hatred, divisiveness, pride. Isn't that the absolute opposite of what Jesus said his followers would be known for? That they're peacemakers? That they bring joy wherever they go? They have the joy of the Holy Spirit that they, that they love. They're to be no more than anything else by how big their love is because they know how much they're loved by Jesus and they go out there into this world as long as they have life and they love others the way that Jesus has loved them. Listen, let me tell you, if you can find anyone or any religion or any group leader that it's more, who is more trustworthy than Jesus, go for it. But if not... If there's no one more trustworthy than Jesus, then trust him. And then third, decide to make the big decisions that will save you from the smaller decisions. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Let me say to you, what Jesus says about something what Jesus says, those are the best words you can find anywhere to build your life on. No one is more trustworthy in what they say about wanting the best for you than Jesus. And once you've made, watch this now, once you've made the big decision, you'll automatically in life, start making the right smaller decisions. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me, here's how it works, all right? Let's say I choose to be an honest person, all right? I choose to be an honest person. That, that's one of those big decisions. Then, when I'm pressured to lie, to be part of falsehood, I've got no stress. I've got no decision to make because the decision has already been made. I've already made the big decision to be an honest person. You just, sorry, I don't do lies. When I've already made the big decision that I am going to be a sexually faithful person, then when I'm tempted to get involved sexually with someone outside of my marriage, it's, it's a case of, you're out of luck, girl. <laughs> I don't do sexual unfaithfulness. When I've already made the big decision to be a generous giver, to take a percentage of my income and, and just through all income levels that I go through to, to give that to, to the Lord, to be a generous giver because I want to help others know and grow in Jesus. Just like someone was there in the past to provide financially so that there were those there and places to meet 
and, 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 and Bibles to read to help me know Jesus. Listen, when I'm deciding to be a generous giver, it takes a lot of stress away when the paycheck comes in. I don't have to vacillate back and forth saying, who, who, where's this going to go and what am I going to do? I don't have to go through that mental gymnastics because the decision has already been made. I'm going to be a generous giver. When I've made the big decision, I'm going to be a faithful servant in Jesus' church. I don't have to decide on a week-by-week -week basis, am I going to join the gathering online this week, or am I going to go to the physical? The decision's already been made. I'm not going to forsake the assembling together with other believers. I need it, but I'm going to be there to help them too. Listen, when I've already made the decision that I am going to be a grateful person, you know how Scripture says, in everything, give thanks. When I've decided that, then I don't ever have to get involved in conversations where I'm critical or pulling down people or negativity and I'm sapping the energy and the life and vision out of good things that are going to happen. I, I can just be in the middle of that and just say, and just say, isn't it great that Jesus always puts up with the worst in us and brings the best out of us. Do you see it? It's like where Jesus said one time, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make the big decisions. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other secondary decisions will be in alignment with the priority of the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God more than anything else. And then you'll automatically accept and forgive and, and love other people. You see, this series is called It's My Choice because it is. <laughs> it is my choice whether I'm going to be small or I'm going to be big. <laughs> and coming out of COVID, I want to be, I want to be a bigger person. I want to be loving more than I ever did pre-COVID. You know, a person that's all wrapped up in themselves is a mighty small package. But when we're, we're, we're you know, when we have these opportunities to, to make a difference in the lives of others, to love other people, you know, listen, we all have different starting points. Some of us can mess up as much as Peter does. Some of us can have worse life experiences with regards to health limitations, relationships, and family backgrounds. We all have different gifts and talents. Listen, not, none of that, none of that is bigger than the love that Jesus has for you. Every one of us can decide. Whatever we have in our life and in our past, we can decide, I'm going to get bigger for Jesus in my future. You know, it's like the um, two daughters of the same alcoholic father. So they were both mistreated emotionally. They, they, they both had the same fears. They both had been embarrassed. They had the same complications and lack of support in life. They had obstacles that they had to overcome. Now, one of them, one of those two daughters struggled to overcome, but she reached out to God for help. She learned to do friendships. She learned to do some level of trust. She got a job. She, she made some, she got some traction in life. The other sister, same house that she grew up in, same alcoholic father, she was angry at life and angry at God. She went through jobs and relationships one after the other. She never got traction in life, but she went for counseling and she was asked, why do you think things have turned out for you that the way that they have in life? And you know what she said? She said to the counselor, what do you expect from the daughter of an alcoholic? 
In the counseling process, they were trying to help and they thought, well, let's widen it out and found out about her sister and, and found out that her sister was doing all right in life, had overcome a lot and had much better traction. So they brought her in and the counselor asked this sister that was doing fairly well in life. She, he said to her, listen, you have overcome a lot. Why do you think you are where you are at in life? And you know what she said? What? do you expect from the daughter of an alcoholic? See, I'm not here to make light of uh, what you've been dealt in life and what you have had to deal with in life. I'm here to say that life is not what happens to you. It's how you respond to what happens to you with Jesus' help. Jesus said, I've come to heal what's broken in you. I've come to cleanse what is damaged in you. I've come to set you free from stuff in the past that tries to hold you as a prisoner. I've come to fill you with my spirit and so fill you with my love that you experience so much of my life-transforming love that it overflows from you and you have so much love for me that you are able to go out there in life and love people the way that I have loved you and become that big person that I have designed you and given you the potential to be. Every one of us, Every one of us can become that big person with Jesus' help. But it starts with deciding. We decide how small or big we're going to become. And then we decide who we're going to trust to get you there. I want to pray in a moment with people that are saying, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me. I want to trust Jesus with my life and my future. And then every one of us, as followers of Jesus, we can decide to make the big decisions that will save you from all the smaller decisions. So, so let's pray about this right now. Let me, I'm going to pray with people that are followers of Jesus that are making some decisions in just a moment. But right now, can I pray with you about the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life? How many would say, if, if you'll pray a prayer, Pastor Keith, I'll pray with you. If it's a prayer that allows me to say, Jesus, I've been building my life on the wrong foundation or bits and pieces of rock and lots of sand. And I want to say, Jesus, I'm changing directions today. I'm going to trust your love. I'm going to trust the words that you say that, that you died in the cross to forgive me and give me an afterlife in heaven with you forever. <laughs> How many, like Peter, are saying, I, I want to follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life? Can I just pray with you? I'm going to say a prayer and you just, right where you are, just whisper the words of this prayer right where you are today. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you can be the rock of my life. Thank you that you died on the cross so all my failures and wrongs and sins could be cleansed away. Come into my life and cleanse them all away, Jesus. Cleanse them all away. And I want to follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life right into heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life today. Now, if you prayed that prayer with, you, with me, Pastor Matt's going to give you some instructions about what to do next. But how many, you're a follower of Jesus and you're facing, you're facing decisions. Some of them, they may be big decisions, but it may have to do with your attitude. It may have to do how you treat people. It may have to do with your job, with your finances, with relationships. It may have to do with your health. You're facing decisions right now. 
let's just, let's just build our decisions on the rock right now in prayer. Lord, you know what your precious children are going through, Lord. You know, you can tailor make a customized answer for each one of them right now, Lord. We thank you that as we put you first and say, Jesus, we trust you more than anyone. And whatever you say about this area of my life, I want to do it. Thank you, Lord, that as we, as we do that, as we seek first your kingdom, you're going to take care of all these things. Help us just to take those decisions right now and open them up before you and say, we trust you, Lord, with relationships, with finances, with health with work-related decisions. Lord, we, with our children, we, we just trust you with every one of these areas, Lord. Help us to do the very best we can for these people that are impacted by our decisions by loving you and doing what is right before you. We know that's the best that we can do for others, Lord. So Lord, I pray that you would help us decide to do what we'll be glad we did when we stand before you on that day in heaven someday. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, Lord. And so we're going we're gonna to go forward in life and we're going to make big decisions about loving you and loving people and everything else is going to be secondary, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for living this life and giving us what we need to live it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.